What's up, Nerdville? <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Meanwhile, 22 pages later. If you haven't been listening already, I'm the Cap, and I'm here with my two partners in crime, Mr. Ralph, the tech. Ralph, say what's up. What's up, Nerd Nation? All right, and of course, my other right-hand man, Mike the Tech. Say what's up, Mike. Hope day! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this is probably the best time to be doing a podcast, because right now, you know, I've been living east of the border. I can't even lie. I've been living very east of the border because, you know, you've got baseball coming up. you got football coming up. So I've been living a little bit east. But now with, with my favorite team not looking like they're going to make the playoffs and football not being relevant for the next couple of months, I think I'll be moving a little bit west. How about you guys? Well, I've always been at the border, so, you know. <laughs> I'll be watching, you know, if they had like a Doctor Who football team, that would be great. <laughs> Oh, God, then I would just totally get rid of You know what? That would be like soccer because nobody watches that. <laughs> that would oh. be great, though. They, they could just, like, throw the ball, and he like, put it into another time and dimension, and oh. that game would last literally forever. So he could use his sonic screwdriver to change things. What was that? He could use his sonic screwdriver to make things go crazy. Oh, God. I... Change the scores. Like, what? We're losing? Nah. uh How I hate that show, but whatever. <laughs> you don't watch the show. <laughs> There's a reason why. It's not that good. And plus, studies have shown that the, that the more you watch Doctor Who, the less likely you are to get ass. So, I mean, you know, I, I want to keep, keep it going for me. I, I want to see those studies. Those things. Those right, I'll show it to you after the show. All right. So, um, first off, um, for those who are listening, I want to give a shout out to Ralph and an apology to you guys because... Um, Ralph's been really trying really hard to get the sound perfect, and we've been experimenting with new equipment and all that stuff, so we appreciate your patience, and Ralph has been really, been really diligent on getting everything together. So, Ralph, props to you, and, you know, it sounds really good today. So Yeah. Hopefully yeah we, we, we know episode three kind of went haywire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I wonder if people thought that it was like the edited version, because <laughs> it was cutting in and out, like, Ryan really said something mean, huh? He's a <laughs> racist, didn't he? Yep. It was the echoing effect, like we were all at Yankee Stadium or something. <laughs> oh, WrestleMania. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble! Rumble, rumble! Oh, my goodness. All right, so we've been listening to the fans, and all five of you have said, hey, guys, you guys have been talking about um, co- comic book stuff, but you haven't really been talking about comic books. Good point. So um, today we're actually going to listen to our five fans. And start talking about things that we actually are reading. Um, and why not start off with a major event? Because you know how Marvel and DC love to do major events. So we're going to kick off our show today by discussing the miniseries known as, let's see if I get it right, Trinity War. Got it right, right? Nice. Yeah. There we go. Not to be mistaken for Infinity War, which is what Marvel's doing. It rhymes, so therefore it's got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, DC is doing a... Um, uh, one of those you know, miniseries where they bring all the teams together called Trinity War. And with our synopsis, we have our ever ever so um, diligent Mike the Finance Guy to break it down for you. Just if you decided that you don't want to read six issues <laughs> like we did. So, Mike, take it away, man. Six issues is a lot to read. You know how it is going today. But, um, okay, first of all, we know it's spoilers, so it's going to suck if you Get haven't read it or still reading spoilers. If you're looking to read this and if it's on your... Um, and your hard drive, or if it's in your, if it's in your like things to do, shut us off and come back half an hour later because it's spoilers all the way. Alrighty. So the Trinity War, uh, like the Cap said, this is DC's latest cross-title event that will change the universe forever. <laughs> oh, I've heard that before. Again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, this um, it involves um, the teams from all three Justice League titles. There's now Justice League, Justice League of America, and Justice League Dark. And what they're doing is they're cleverly finally tying up uh, the first connected plot point that was in all 52 original titles, which was a, some enigmatic woman in red. Um, she had a red cloak. She was in at least one panel out of every one of the original 52 books, but she had no name. This woman was Pandora. And she's also uh, referenced in the last few panels um, of the Flash, uh, was it Flashpoint comic yeah, Flashpoint, itself, yes. where all the universes changed. So this is what we're finally getting now is what was her purpose, what was the point of her being in all the titles, et cetera. All right, um, so Trinity War, it's, uh, it's told in six parts. That's two books for each title. And uh, the books involve uh, Pandora. I'm sorry, there's other books that involve Pandora or the Phantom Stranger. Those are more uh, ancillary. They're not that important to read. So if you read just these six, you're good to go. Now, which, now you said there's two for each title. Which titles? Um, again, Justice League, Justice League of America, and Justice League Dark. That's for you guys in the back. All right, Mike. There you go. All right. Um, so we have the story kicks off. Uh, there's a, a weeping woman seeking uh, some mystical services from Madame Xanadu. She's the mainstay DC mystic that's able to see the future. Uh, Madame Xanadu sits down. She gets her cards out. She starts uh, reading uh, the woman's future, but she realizes that what she's seeing is not about the woman, but it's rather about all the superheroes. So every tarot card she turns over is one of the superheroes. Um, as she continues, we leave her, but then we go and see Pandora, who is now visiting Superman and Wonder Woman, and she's carrying this skull, which is what DC has representing the Pandora's box. And Pandora, previously to even the Trinity War starting, had realized that, um, or she's at least come up with the idea that only someone that's a pure heart or pure evil could open the box. So of course she's going to Superman and see uh, if he can open the box. But once Superman touches the box, he's immediately possessed by some kind of a dark force, and tries to kill Pandora and Wonder Woman in order to keep the box. Wonder Woman intervenes, and then Pandora disappears with the box, and Superman seems to be back to normal. Now, while this is going on, Shazam, who, in, again, previous books, has already fought and defeated Black Adam and now has his ashes. He feels like he's going to do the right thing, so he goes to take the ashes back to Kanzak, which is where um, Black Adam is from. But, of course, uh, the U.S. has a no-travel zone to Kanzak, so when the League sees that uh, Shazam is headed that way, the Justice League itself decides to intervene and stop him from going in there. They don't know why he's going there. Um, during that time, with uh, Shazam going and then the Justice League starting to intervene, Amanda Waller, who controls the JLA, the Justice League of America, she decides, okay, this is a good time for her to send her troops in to stop the Justice League. All right, so now you have uh, the two teams so far and Shazam in Kandak. Um, when Superman and Shazam meet, Superman, again, is kind of not himself. Uh, he kind of gets more argumentative right away. We get our first but brief fight in the New 52 universe between Shazam and Superman. Um, not much of a fight, but still a little action there. Following that skirmish, um, the JLA is having words with the, J um, the Justice League itself. Dr. Light, who is a member of the um, sorry, who's a member of the JLA, he just starts absorbing Superman's solar power. There's a point in the story of why he's doing that, but again, not important for right now. Uh, him absorbs Superman's solar energy, starts getting mad, and then Superman again seems to be possessed and uses heat vision, and he just melts Dr. Light's head right then and there, killing him immediately. Shock to everybody. Yeah, I was pretty, pretty shocked by that. <laughs> that was pretty nasty. <laughs> it was crazy. It's like, you see Superman kill? What? The Boy Scout? Oh, man. And finally. You know. um, <laughs> so, okay, so now that Dr. Light's dead, a fight um, starts right away between the Justice League and the JLA, and Superman ends this fight by deciding that he needs to be in prison because he realizes he's become too dangerous. 
Now, the rest of the books are mainly just about proving Superman's innocence and trying to find out how he was possessed or tricked or whatever. Uh, Wonder Woman is the one that goes to enlist the help of the Justice League Dark. That's how they get involved because they're basically the Justice League of mystics and magicians and they're led by John Constantine. So she figures, you know, someone could figure out there's some magic going on. The non-Keanu Reeve Constantine, just to get his trade. <laughs> it was a good movie. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now, while she's doing that, uh, Pandora has been appearing and disappearing throughout, you know, different areas, trying to find somebody that can open the box. Every time she tries it, it, it ends badly. Eventually, all three leagues get together while she's there with the box, and it begins possessing everybody there, turning them all evil slash obsessive about obtaining the box. And that's what we get down to with the, th um, the three teams meeting and uh, battling it out in the final book. Now, throughout the whole book and the whole series, there's this pervading question of what is the trinity of the Trinity War? I mean, is this Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman? Um, is it Pandora, the Phantom Stranger? Is it the question? Uh, is it the three Justice League teams themselves? Um, is it that it took three months for all six books to be published? Um, is, it the amount of hair, you know, is it the amount of hair on Homer Simpson's head? We don't know, okay? But unfortunately, we do get an answer in the last book. Um, those, by the way, the things I posited, they weren't any of them. Uh, what we find out <laughs> is that the Trinity is not Earth-1, it's not Earth-2, but here we go, folks, it's Earth-3. What? Earth-3? Earth-3, that's right. We, we waited three months, read six books, and spent $24 for a story about the crime syndicate. That's Ultraman, Sur Superwoman, and Owlman, and all the rest of them. They're invading our world. That's what we got. All right, Nerd Nation, take a deep breath. Take it all in. Think about it. Think about what, what, what Mike the Finance Guy just said. All right, team. Let's start dissecting this son of a bitch. What, what do you guys feel about it? How do you feel like it moved? First thoughts, whatever. Go for it. All right. When I first started reading this, I was pretty optimistic. I'm like, wow, you know, this seems pretty interesting. New story. You know, Shazam and Superman meeting for the first time again. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is like again. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, this seems pretty cool. What's going to happen? I, I like how it's, uh, they took a more diplomatic approach after the first hit. But, hey, you know, they, they talked it down. And it, it seemed like it was going good, especially when you get to, to when you see uh, John Constantine and you see this is like, this ain't your regular type of hero. This guy actually, you know, he considers himself kind of evil, but he still does good, you know. When so it's convenient for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way he works. So, so I'm thinking, you know, so far it's good. Then, you know, you get to the fourth episode, the fourth uh, issue, and you're like, what the hell? You know, this thing's just dragging on. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm, am I reading an old, old, old detective novel where they're trying to figure it out? It, say, it seems like a game of Clue. Right. And then when you get to the sixth issue and the butler did it, you're like, damn, was I just reading superhero Clue? Is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> so because we said spoilers already, um, one of the major plot lines was that um, the butler... The, the alter Earth 3's Alfred was one of the ones that brought, um, making sure I'm getting this straight, he kind of is the one who started it all. Right. I mean, he, he's the outsider. He's, right, he's the, the one the outsider that starts, that's been the kind the of manipulating society. everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He starts the secret society. Yeah, so uh, so if you're wondering when they said the butler did it, and if you didn't read, that's what we're referring to. And, and he's and the full service butler, evidently. And then it turns out, what really messed me up when it turns out that the female uh, Adam... Atomica. Atomica was from Earth 3, and she was a double agent working the whole time to try to first. She acts all innocent because you consider she's a triple agent because she was spying on the Justice League right. for the JLA, and then she's spying on both of them, and 
ruining that because she's the one that infected Superman with the piece of kryptonite. Oh, yeah, there's, there's craziness going on. Yeah, here. there's a couple of things that happened in that last issue that were like really like mind blowing. They wrapped it up, they literally did a clue wrap up. Have you ever seen Clue where they're trying to right, they give you the what flashbacks? Happened? Yeah, <laughs> they did the whole oh, it was me, I was the one that shrunk down right before. He attacked Dr. Light and implanted it in his nerve. Really, it was Atomica in the brain with a sliver of kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Put that's that on your clue board table. <laughs> so, so that's the way they explained how super, why Superman um, shot um, Dr. Light in the head and killed him. Yeah. Because she's saying that she had put the sliver of kryptonite on a nerve ending and it triggered a reaction. Exactly. And, and then it was, the, what was weird though is because uh, Wonder Woman was saying, no, uh, all this is happening because Superman was infected by... Pandora's box. When in fact, throughout the whole thing, he's he, he's getting uh, sicker, and they're wondering why nobody else was getting sicker from touching the box. So that's where it comes to. Oh, it's because of me. Well, so you're basically saying that Superman got sick from touching Pandora's infected box. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, he didn't get sick from touching. Oh, Pandora's okay. Box. Wow. <laughs> and here I was gonna say a bad joke about how Superman looked like. Oh, shoot. He looked like 28 Days Letter, and he looked like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. He looked bad. <laughs> he looked he really, really bad. Yeah. I, and that's not a, a slight on anybody. I'm just saying, you know, he looked really, really bad. His skin color was changing. Yeah. You know, they, they really looked like he was getting his butt kicked by this. They thought it was a Pandora's box, but it was actually the, the sliver of kryptonite. And, and you would think they would, you, they would say something when you see green veins on his face. You know? Yeah. No, exactly. It's like... Wow, I know you're an alien and whatnot, but should your veins be green? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been exfoliating? <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the major things that happened. That's that the reason why Superman was, you know, going crazy and why he was also getting sick at the same time was the sliver of kryptonite. But also something else happened with Cyborg. Oh, God. oh yeah, <laughs> it was spectacular actually. I <laughs> that also kind of messed me up. It's like you would think a guy who's an expert in technology. Would update his, you know, his his own software and find out that he has a virus living within his own body. Yeah, a computer virus, not not a biological virus. So what happens with this computer virus, Ralph? For those who didn't, it's a sentient virus that, when uh, Atomica reveals herself, she goes over. Everyone looks over at at Cyborg because she's like, "Oh, you were in it too," and you see a different voice coming out of Cyborg, and everyone's like, "What the hell?" And the machine part just rips. I was like, "I don't need this flesh anymore." And it just rips off of Cyborg's body and becomes one whole mechanical being. So just to give you the visual image, everybody knows Cyborg, he's half human, half half machine. The machine part just basically, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Rejected yeah. the human side. So here the Cyborg with, his old, with all the decrepit parts of him that were from the accident, you know, just him, uh, half half a man, basically. Right. Well, time. not even that anymore. I think he's now more like one quarter yeah, of a man quarter, because quarter. I mean, that's both arms, legs. Um, actually, it's down from what belly button, probably on down. Yeah, it was, it was just one like eye. the torso, intestine, yeah, and just one eye. Head. Yeah. And if you're wondering, Green Lantern immediately, you know, puts him on life support. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then that's kind of where the book left off. I don't. I, uh, how do I say this? I wanted more. I wanted anything besides the crime syndicate. Nothing against them, but you would have thought that. I mean, for, for anyone that doesn't know, Pandora, The Question, and Phantom Stranger. Now, The Phantom Stranger has been around for decades, and we all know that he's kind of like the right hand of, not, sorry, he's not the right hand of God. He's cursed by God. He's basically um, the one that turned in Christ and has been forced to wander around. Like, he's the wandering Jew character, whatnot. Pandora's been more recently introduced, and the question went from being just a normal human that fought crime with a, a special mask to also being um, somehow cursed by God as well. Mm -hmm. 
So when you have three beings that have been cursed and forced to walk the earth, and they're all involved in a trinity war, you're definitely assuming, you know, father, son, holy ghost, or something happening, not villains from another universe. I definitely feel like I've been bamboozled. <laughs> because, I mean, like Ralph, I know you don't know. Ralph was excited about it. He felt, like, positive about it. I guess I, I hang out with Mike a little bit too much, and I'm a little bit more of a skeptic because I've been around so many multi-team series where I'm like, oh, here we go again. It's like, it's like Secret Invasion. Like, um, oh, what was the other one? I mean, like, like Final Crisis, like like Identity Crisis, like all these Infinity other Crisis, things. Infinity Crisis, 52. I mean, it. they've had so many already where I'm like, oh, well, this is the be-all of be-all again. So I'm, I'm, I was kind of... I was kind of negative from the beginning, and I remember one of the guys at my job had dropped by and said, you should pick it up. It's going to be, you know, I, I hear it's going to be pretty good. So I picked it up and started reading it. You know, I mean, once Superman killed Dr. Light, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. It was catchy, definitely. It, it does get you into the story. It's yeah. just that it's... It lets you down at the end, is what right. you're saying. Well, it's, it's a little bit, I mean, it's definitely a letdown at the end. Um, but then, as you know, Ralph had pointed out, it was long for what it was. Basically, they took a two-and-a-half-issue idea and made six issues, which we're used to seeing, um, and didn't get much information out of it, you know. And it kind of forced you to buy the other issues. Like, honestly, I buy Justice League. I kind of I kind of buy JLA on and off. I don't buy Justice League Dark. It was kind of a way of forcing me to buy Justice League Dark. I don't buy any of the Justice League, so I had to pony up on all six of them. I was not <laughs> a happy camper that way. Yeah, it, it kind of felt like I was watching an episode of Scooby-Doo where they unveil <laughs> the guy at the end. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely did have that feel. I just was very disappointed because, like Ralph said, I feel like like I re- I kind of reread it yesterday, and I still can bear, like I'm glad Mike gave the synopsis because that middle part, I mean, the same way Mike kind of went through it and said, well, you know, the, here's the bottom line, here's what the story is. That's the way it felt like in my head. And the same way Ralph said it kind of dragged. I can't remember the middle. I can remember some of the middle parts and some of the the conclusions they came to, but all I can remember is the first issue, right. and the last issue. Right. And, you yeah. know, and, and the thing about this, they always got to get, get uh, Superman, I'm not Superman, Lex Luthor in the story. Right. Because they show him also in, in his jail cell, and he's just smiling because he's reading because he reads, reads that Superman killed somebody. And he fires his whole legal team. He's like, we're going to get you out. You're going to be free. And he's like, get out. You're all fired. Right. But the interesting part is that he didn't get a chance to touch the box. Pandora pops yeah. up in Lex Luthor's cell, and he's just about to touch it. And um, I think one of the heroes or a bunch uh, of the Wonder, heroes. Wonder Woman and, and her, her posse. Oh, that's right. The Justice League Dark, I think, or something like that. Yeah, they show up. No, no, it, it oh, wasn't no, the Justice League. Justice it was League. because by the time that you get to the, the issue with Justice League Dark, um, Wonder Woman is, is splitting up the group. Oh, that's right. So you get right. some of Justice League Dark, some of GLA, and some of Justice League right. to go with her. So she got her posse. Batman got his crew. Right. And then John Constantine goes and does his own thing, trying to steal Shazam's powers. Right. And he shows up later on again. And then, what was the other? It was because it, it was three. Right. Well, Superman. Oh yeah, and then Sup- Superman and and, and, yeah. and, and uh, Manhunter and uh, I think it was uh, Green Lantern and some other ones. Well, I think one of the arrows. Yeah. Red Arrow, Green, I think. Green Arrow. Oh, was Green, oh Green Arrow. That's right. I don't think Red Arrow exists yet. Yeah, so, so. so there's another three. So you're thinking there's, there's the Trinity. Well, that's right what I'm there. saying. Yeah, they did all these plays on threes. Um, I think what they were trying to show us when you look back on it, now that you know that it's the um, it's Earth 3, which Earth 3 is basically flip-flop. In other words, people that are good or evil, people that are evil or good. I, Even though I would never have thought of it, I think that's why we didn't get a chance to see Lex touch the skull. Because if he had touched the skull, he would have to have turned good. 
because I think it was just, it, um, uh, the Alfred character says that it's not a power source, it's a doorway. Yeah. So basically everyone that's touched it is getting affected through that doorway. So I think that would have been a quote unquote giveaway. Yeah. Touching uh, it less turn good. Okay. Okay. So but I think that's why they didn't let him do it. What's also real funny is you said that DC is, is doing this whole play on threes. They should have just done the play on threes and made this whole story three issues. <laughs> if you want to keep with the whole theme, well, let's make it only three well, issues. Three times two. Yeah. <laughs> it is a, a, a multiple of three. Oh, it's divisible by three. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> and you know some marketing genius is like, but it's divisible by three. Yeah, somebody probably thought about that. <laughs> um, I enjoyed the artwork. I can't even complain about the artwork. I um, only like the artwork, though, on the Justice League. I was looking at that, but Ivan Reese is it, or... Rice, R-E-I-S? Yes. Yeah, he did the Justice League. I mean, the others were okay. Oh, wait, but that's right. That's I right. really liked his artwork the best. I, um, Reese? Yeah, I believe yeah. it's Reese. Well, I, yeah, I Ivan like, Reese. Yeah, Ivan Reese was good. The only problem I have with him is there's a, a splash page in the in the last issue Thank with him, with with Wonder Woman and Superman, like, getting ready to fight each stiff other. Superman as says, hell. What? It's stiff as hell. It's, sti- it's all like, eh. Which it's issue? Like, Huh? The number six. It's that big splash page okay. where you see Wonder because Woman, Superman about to battle, and Batman's in the very background because, um, it's because uh, uh, what's happening is, it up. is the is that Superman again the boxes affecting everybody. So Superman is thinking crazy thoughts that uh, Wonder Woman is being taken away by Batman. So he's about to kill. Batman at, at like at any moment that he can. So uh, he almost is like Bizarro there. Yeah, it's just that the, the picture is supposed to be this big stunning moment, but it just it, it doesn't have any fluidity. It doesn't have a lot of action. Usually, a splash page is either a great reveal or a great action that's that's happening. Like I think of splash pages, and I think about when um, in Marvel when um, Century killed um, Ares. Oh, that was a great splash. I mean, it was like a pretty big splash place of him. I think, but I'm trying to think about how he killed him. Did he, did he, did he rip him in half? half. I think he, he just ripped him in, him in half. Yeah, he ripped him in half. But you see this picture of, of Superman battling Wonder Woman, and it's like, eh. It's, it's, it's like... Well, it's because it, they're, 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 in, they're in the moment of about to attack each other. In other words, there's no... It looks like they're about to make out. Right. Well, it just looks like two statues that you've pushed together. You know, in other words, it's supposed to be this moment... But it's ruined by the lack of action. You know, there, there's no swing. Her arm is pulled back. His arm is pulled back. Batman is in between the two of them, kind of like, you know, Mom, Dad, please. It, I can already see DC making a statue of this. Oh, definitely. Oh, hell no. Not out of that one. Oh, oh God. Definitely. I mean, they already have the Wonder Woman Superman statue already, and it looks cool. That, is, that, that image right there. They don't right have there, one with Batman in the background. What? They don't have a statue with Batman in the background like that. Yeah, but I think they want you to pilots. Maybe it's a special statue you buy later on. I want it to Trinity. <laughs> and, 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 if you, and if you spend another $15, you could buy Batman, peeping Batman, <laughs> sitting in the shadows, watching everything go down. <laughs> peeping Batman, I like that. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's right. Tell him what you want. <laughs> or, or, or should I do a Christian Bell? Tell him what you want. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> I don't know why they just... Where's the trigger? <laughs> why didn't they just get Stallone to do the Batman voice, you know? <laughs> Yo, Ben, you think that you could take me out? <laughs> why am I a bum? <laughs> Let me tell you, old dear boy, this is why I'm about to attack you. <laughs> I think you're late for your masterpiece theater apartment. <laughs> but, but bringing it back, I mean, like, the, I, I felt like the sixth issue, it, you, you, it built... It, it, the the build was you know the build was slow but when you were getting to it you're like okay I want to see where this is resolving to. I was excited I I, uh, I had told you um, I was convinced that the character that became Alfred 
you know, all you saw was this man had like kind of a little pencil mustache. He's tall, skinny, wore an awkward looking suit. Um, had, a had, a bowler, had a yeah. bowler hat. Yeah. So because the New 52 is reinventing its characters, I'm getting all excited. I'm, I'm being Mr. Know-it-all. I'm convinced that that's Mr. Uh, Mixture Pickflick. Mixoplick. Yeah, well, Mixture Pickflick is actually the... Oh, that's yeah, right. yeah, they changed it later on. But I'm convinced that this is who it is, so I'm definitely excited. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, he's, he's sinister now. He's not a joke anymore. He's going to bring some revenge down. And then we just got a man that serves scone and tea. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the outsider. <laughs> he doesn't exist uh, I thing. feel like M. Night Shyamalan wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist! Yeah. What a twist! Because <laughs> it was just like, it, it reminded me of the village where, where you know, you build up to this whole thing. Oh, the village. Do, do not remind me. <laughs> Nothing reminds me of the village. I was still awake when I was reading number six. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I was definitely awake for the village. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, so it's a town built in. Oh, you kidding me? I don't want to give that one away. No spoilers on the village. It just give sucked. it away. No, no one's going to watch spoilers that. Out. Yeah, then they anyway. <laughs> You'll save them from the torment of watching. <laughs> Why don't you just give away Lady in the Lake? Not Lady in the Lake. What was that one? Lady in, Lady in the Water? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, another, I, another great I story. I didn't see that. But I, if you know M. Night Shyamalan, his, his twists always suck. And um, this DC Trinity War, and I won't say that it sucked, but it was very, like, it, it left you disappointed because it's building up to be this big end-all end war of end-all wars again. And it leads you up to, oh, we're just bringing back the crime syndicate. And then what's funny is, coincidentally, right after, this month has been Villains Month. Yeah. So oh, and Villains Month is great. Each episode, each uh, That's issue. That's sarcasm, by the way. <laughs> a lot of it. Each issue is the, the last issue just with a point one after it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So if you were reading Flash 23, it's 23.1, 23. et cetera. And all it is is um, whatever, I believe, whatever um, comic book that they have, they have the villain of that comic book, or at least one major villain of that comic book. And I thought it was going to tie into um, their next storyline because now um, DC has another thing going on called Forever Evil. Forever Evil. So it's, it's, and this is why I wasn't excited about um, Trinity War because I feel like the way Marvel's done it is they've kind of have miniseries hook into another miniseries, hook into another miniseries, and not even give like a year time or, you know, give some space in between. It just goes one into another into another. And, um, here it comes, you know, you have Trinity War going right into Forever Evil. Yeah. But now it's it just, I don't know, I, I, just, I just feel really, really disappointed. Well, it's just, like I said, it's, it's DC keeps telling us that it's going to change things, and either it doesn't change, you know, like you figure it won't, or it just changes for the worse. I mean, you figure that they're only two years into their New 52, which was supposed to completely unscramble all the mess that they did following Crisis on Infinite Earths back in the 80s. And it's still a universe that has no clear timeline and is getting more convoluted in just 24 months. Okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like that every time they try to, re, to, to readjust their universe, they mess it up all over again. Yeah. Well, you know, and especially you figure that them having the Trinity War and Marvel having the Infinity War, like maybe the surprise of the Trinity War should have been that Marvel broke into the DC universe, <laughs> you know, and that the Trinity could have been maybe like, you know, Wolverine's three claws thrusting forth or something like that. <laughs> do, do you honestly think that DC and Marvel would work together to bring... They've done it once. Well, they worked together. You said once. Yeah. Well, they've done it actually a couple <laughs> of times, but I mean, the, the major time was when they did um, the Avengers versus the JLA. Okay. And yeah. then they did also a Marvel versus DC thing in the 90s, and that wasn't, oh. Well, you can never have two titles work together fairly because, 
the, you the know, the logic goes away. I mean, you know, Superman can beat basically everyone, but maybe Thor, for instance. Yeah. And back then, Thor wasn't treated the way he is now, which is much more respective of his godhood. So I think even back then, Superman was able to beat Thor yeah. pretty well, actually. You know, so, you know, you know, but I mean, in today's world, especially now. Um, as, as long as no one has a little piece of kryptonite laying around. <laughs> Slip it in his ear. God. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I mean, you know, so, you know, you figure the two heavyweights are not going to give in. You know, they're not going to let Superman dominate and, you know, whatnot's going to go on. So you're never getting any fun like that anymore. Because, I mean, you know, going way back in the day, you had Spider-Man meeting Superman. That's right. You know, talk about Back in the 70s. That's cool. (laughs) So, okay. So thoughts, guys. Um, Overall, what did you think of the series? Oh, actually, before we get to thoughts, let me take a step back a little bit. Um, Is there something you wish you scene is there something that you feel like either you wish you saw or that you were hoping that was going to happen like you said mixer um a mixer picklick see i can't even say his real name <laughs> <laughs> i know i, I still say mixoplick myself now. <laughs> well i mean you expected mixoplick um is there anything else you guys expected or saw you thought you saw coming and then when it became about earth three you're like oh what the fuck i, I thought you know they would like end it right there and it would just be like someone touches the skull and it actually does bring like i don't know something something good to, to come out because when i thought when good I, you mean as a good story not like good <laughs> yeah good story right good story <laughs> yeah touch like the skull the like, story's erased like they touch the skull and then like it, it just starts like a something else but that like maybe like uh i say that john constantine does something and you would think that he since he's so bad and then the skull makes him good or something and I don't know like all the evils of the world start to come to the to that there one point to that one place and like they start fighting or something well I mean I think yeah I mean kind of I, I think what you're kind of leading to is that maybe if they had done treated it more like a Pandora's box story you know like yeah. you know here are the roots of the the evils personified you know I think that would have actually been an entertaining story you know she's like uh, the four horsemen coming after them or something you know? see it is Marvel coming into the DC world yeah <laughs> oh the four horsemen Oh goodness! And if anybody reads Uncanny Avengers, you'll you'll know why I'm groaning about the four horsemen <laughs> of the apocalypse. It's like, oh my goodness, please save me. Um, so I mean, I I, I kind of thought, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I remember when they were going to the reveal of you know, who you know when they touched the box, what was gonna happen, and they said Earth three. I was like, yeah. really? The crime syndicate? You, you did this all for that? Well, and the worst part is. We keep saying the crime syndicate. Now, we're saying it correctly, but, like, for instance, if they came in and they were like, we're Earth 3 and we're the lords of destruction, you know, we worship chaos. I mean, yeah, I'm just making things up. Maybe it wouldn't have been so bad, but they actually announced themselves as the crime syndicate. Think about that. That is the, that's a 1950s bad guy's name. <laughs> we're the crime syndicate. So you yeah, just same. commit crimes it'd be like <laughs> you hold up little ladies <laughs> you take lollipops from kids I mean, you're a crime syndicate yeah. you're not like the lords of a new universe right you know? it, they, they didn't seem as powerful as they could have been it was kind of like watching um usual suspects and when kaiser seriously becomes revealed it ends up being mr magoo <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i got you all yeah Wow, that was a horrible Mr. Magoo, too. I do horrible accents. That's what I do. That's kind of like, I kind of corner the market on, on bad accents. All right. So, so, who do we have to apologize to now? <laughs> Mr. Magoo? I mean, <laughs> Well, he's been dead for years. That's Thurston Howell from Gilligan's Island. I was, oh, lovey. <laughs> I was going to go around Ralph's time and say, is Leslie Nielsen. Wasn't Leslie Nielsen? Well, he did the movie. 
He did the movie, but right? The, the cartoon was um, I can't think yeah, of the guy's name. Yeah, that yeah. was uh, the guy from um, Killer Design. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, thoughts. Well, or like actually, said, last thoughts. There we go. Final thought. thoughts. Final thoughts. It was a. It started off as an interesting story and total letdown at the end, but. I mean, if you really want to read it, just read the first one and the last one. There you go. All right. Yeah, there's a lot of middle to to blow by. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying buy just the one and buy six, and you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two Justice League uh, issues. Okay. Mike? Um, Same as Ralph was saying, really. You can kind of almost skip the – at least skip two, three, and five, um, which were the non-jail Justice League issues themselves. the story was like I said it starts out with such a promise and then it just kind of dwindles down um, unfortunately DC once again uh, may, you know maybe I'm just being too sensitive to it I mean it's once again it's a woman that's doing the evil you know I was just it's just getting kind of old you know you have Atomica there you know after just having Wonder Woman and Injustice being the, the, the facilitator of, of bad thoughts and whatnot um, and, and we won't even right now at this moment anyhow touch the fact of what they keep doing to their black characters I mean you know, there's one thing to depower or just let them go off into the invisible field of, of, of non-remembrance, but, you know, just to viciously, you know, rip apart Cyborg was just uncalled for. Um, but, like I said, it's just, it was a long way to go for a little return. All right. Well, the cap says, um, huh. okay, visually, I enjoyed it. The colors were great, because uh, I'm an artist at heart, so I love artwork first. I mean, I grew up in the... In the in the age of image just starting out so you know 90s and really cool uniforms and really cool teams with bad storylines kind of feels like a 90s storyline because it started out cool and i mean it, it, and i was like all right superman actually killed somebody but we know he really didn't do it so what's going on there and you know following it visually was good but i mean reading it it was it was a drag from from issues two to four maybe like from two and a, from in the, from the middle of issue two to issue five it was kind of a drag um and I'll be honest with you. I mean, people were excited about the New 52. I didn't want the New 52 to even happen. Who wanted the New 52 to happen besides DC? <laughs> because everybody's like, you know, I mean, remember when they said, oh, we're doing Flashpoint so we can rearrange our universe. I'm like, come on, leave the universe alone. But I think they had problems with, and for those readers who, who haven't read that far back, I mean, DC had made a lot of changes. I mean, they had Wonder Woman killing Max Lord. Right. They had, um, i trying to think what else happened in that universe. Oh, um, you had... Blue Beetle dying, and that's how that's Ted why Cord had, Blue Beetle. Ted Cord Blue Beetle, not not our little Mexican Blue Beetle. Right. I mean, Ted Cord. He was the white businessman. Died. And I think he was replaced by what his housekeeper's son or something like that. I'm yeah. just joking about wow. that. Something <laughs> Reyes. Jaime Reyes. Jaime. There you go. Jaime Reyes. Jaime Reyes. Um, but there's a lot of things that they that, that I guess DC d- didn't it didn't sit too well on how they wrote the stories. So what I'm what I'm um, breaking down is the fact that. New 52 wasn't necessary, and this um, series wasn't either. Right. Well, also don't forget, too, that with Flashpoint, um, it not only was going to redefine our normal world, but it was it was blending the other two other universes from the DC, like Wildstorm. Right. And what's the other universe? Vertigo? Yeah. Vertigo. 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 Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was kind of trying to bring all three of those into line, which, of course, think about it. They can't handle their own house for one universe and keep the storyline going. So what they thought was they were going to simplify this by bringing three universes together. That's including like the the Dakota universe that uh, Static was from. Yep. And as we all know, Icon is just a black Superman. And how often do we see him in the comics? <laughs> what was your purpose of this? <laughs> uh, he was 
That you know that one black guy that was like in the corner somewhere in the distance <laughs> you could barely see. <laughs> one of Didi Rips. Yeah, that was that was wow. our guy. <laughs> he was like, "You guys, you guys got this. It's okay. Let me just finish this play." <laughs> You guys got this. I'm um, just trying to avoid my wife. I'm supposed to visit my kid. <laughs> That's right. I'm throwing out stereotypes. All right. So um, there you have it. Trinity War in a nutshell. Um, thank goodness we didn't read Infinity War because I'm hearing that's a more boring read. Probably infinitely War. more boring. And I, 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 infinitely. That's, that's, nice, nice pun. You know, that's, that's pretty good considering there's only two, uh, two issues in. <laughs> yeah, but you know, six. Fun. You know, it's funny. It's out of six, and then there's all these ancillary issues that go on as well. Oh, because okay. Marvel believes that you should read everything that they make when they make an earth-shattering series. Well, DC's well, DC's a little bit of guilty of that too, especially now with the um, the Villains Month. Oh, the Villains Month. Every time you say Villains Month, it, it hurts. It, it, okay. I, I've not read such bad, lazy writing in years. Now, I'm not talking about an individual issue. Um, the way the Villains Month is running is that they're coming out with 13 titles every week for four weeks, so that would be 52 different titles. Yep. I have first 13, and they're just, they're not continuations of the Trinity War per se. I mean, some of them do loosely connect back saying, like, for instance, oh, the crime syndicate has contacted us. But what they are is they're just bad origins of villains because I guess the New 52 hasn't had a really good chance to touch into these villains' you know, origin stories. Right. They're either origin stories or just uh, maybe some of their random thoughts, but they're just piss poor. So piss poor writing. You're saying it's just filler. It's, it's not even filler. It, even it filler. just feels like a bunch of writers had all these lame stories and they got paid for them. And DC said, well, we just spent money on all this. We've got to use them at some point. Oh, I know. Let's make a whole month <laughs> of <laughs> really bad storytelling. Ralph, you said filler. No, I'll use another F word. No, it's not a four-letter one. Force feed. That's Force what feed. DC was trying to do. Force <laughs> feed these stories. And on that note, we're going to um, take a little pee break, and we'll be back to Meanwhile 22 pages later after we all finish urinating. Hi, guys and girls. This is Mike, the finance guy, saying that me, Ralph, and the Cap want to hear from you. How do you do it? Visit us online at meanwhile22pageslater.com or on Twitter at meanwhile22 or email us at m22lcmr at gmail.com. Let us know what we're doing or what you're thinking. Now let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. Um, I guess everybody's bladders are empty and um, we're ready to go. But before we get to our next subject, shout out to my boy Kev, Big Kev, who decided to call us during the break and decided to give Mike an earful about um, <laughs> of his comments about um, Batman. With Michael Keaton. <laughs> Old man Batman. Let's see if I can do Kevin right now. What do you mean it was the slowest Batman you've seen that it was born? You're crazy, Mike. What are you drinking? What are you drinking? <laughs> I, I swear that movie could put anybody to sleep, man. I'm telling you. And it's funny because um, I've heard a couple, of, not only a couple of podcasts, but a couple of people have been talking about the old Batman. It's kind of funny that's coming up. So, I mean, I, I like the original Batman movie. I liked it in 1988, 89. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I can't watch it again. And I can't watch like you know the the fat slow Joker. Yeah, but I prefer the flat the fat slow Joker over freaking Catwoman and the Penguin, and the second one. Batman <laughs> Returns was great. garbage. <laughs> they were great. Danny DeVito did a great job. A great job for what? <laughs> Do I have well, to what go did to you my want? Burgess about, Meredith? I mean, you know. I mean, you know, he, he was a, he was he right. was grotesque to look at, 
And it, it was Burton written all over this film. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, but the Catwoman, I didn't have a problem with. I mean, Catwoman, I find her to be a lame person anyhow. I was about to say hero, but she's did, not. Did really. she have a problem with the Christopher Walken character? Well, that's Christopher Walken. I don't think that was a character. I think he just kind of walked on set. I, <laughs> I think that man is insane. Wonderful, but insane. It, he just kind of showed up. He probably wasn't even asked to be in the movie. Hey, more cowbell. <laughs> no, they, no, I, I no, guarantee probably, you he just showed up. No, they probably gave him like nothing to do. Like Not nothing to do, but they said, okay, you do this, Danny DeVito. You do this, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michael Keaton, do this. Christopher Walken, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. You get free reign. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> he wants more cowbell. Oh, you love that Saturday Night Live skit, huh? <laughs> All right, so um, on to our next subject. I know that people who listen to this podcast listen to us and say, wow, they should rename that podcast from Meanwhile 22 Pages Later to Meanwhile 22 Pages Bunch of Haters. Because <laughs> it's funny, I've listened back and I'm like, wow, we're mean. And then it's funny because I backtrack a lot. I was like, yeah, hey, you know, it was bad. It was yourself. okay, it was enjoyable. What? Speak for yourself. I'm going to go with the flow guy. Remember that. You go with every flow. <laughs> I don't call it mean. I call it being honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, you know, that there, we, we talk about things that we don't like more than things we like. So I wanted to introduce, or actually us as a group wanted to introduce things that we like. And since we're talking about reading, let's talk about things that we enjoy in regards to comic books. I mean, whoever wants to go first, go right ahead because I've got a couple of books that I know that I like. All right, so... I haven't been keeping up with my reading. I'm letting it pile up so I can... All that work you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, recently what I've read, uh, caught up on was it the Injustice, Gods Among Us comic. Oh, oh, love it, love it, love it. Love so the game. It's, yeah, the game is awesome, and the comic really does do a good job of telling you how you get to where the game starts at. Right. right. And just the story is really good. There's some funny parts. There's one part where uh, Batman is talking to the President of the United States, and he's like, I voted for you. And then the president's like, how does that work? Do you just walk into a, a, a voting booth and say, I'm Batman? <laughs> <laughs> like that. <laughs> so it's, it's a really good story. And the art, it's not the best art. You know? Artists, because well, I think it's the, always yeah, three the, different artists. I was about to say, it, art, yeah. the artists rotate. So that's why it, it, the, the quality changes. So, yeah, so I, I agree, sometimes it's not the best. It's not the best, but it's, it's good. And you got some good scenes, too. And you, you really do see a, a different side of Superman and how he's, he's how he struggles with his inner demons after killing the Joker mm-hmm. and losing Lois and, and his unborn child. Yeah, because she was pregnant. Um, and spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> I really wanted to be there for the conception and see how that really went down. So wow. <laughs> all it was is just it's like her just sitting on, on a Sabian vibrating machine. <laughs> That's wow. pretty much it. I just no, I picture it like really a, much. No, I picture it like a rocket, like when Superman reaches climax, poof, like sends Lois halfway across the I room. I just assume oh. she had a kryptonite IUD or something. No, 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 probably what he does, he probably has like a blue kryptonite bracelet or something. And he puts it on. No, He's no, like, no, yeah, no, I'm no, a man no. now. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't like kryptonite, so therefore, I'm telling you, he shot her across the room, and the other side of their room is pillowed. There's a whole wall of pillowed. So she lands against the the the, the wall like. Oh, does she oh, have pillows? So in, awesome. Does she have pillows inside? of her to, to stop the projectile that's coming from Pillows her. inside of her. I don't know. Man. Oh my God. <laughs> that is but something else. I, that was, I, it was artificial insemination. But I definitely agree that just Injustice, what makes it fun is that it lets you explore. It lets you explore the ideas of what all comic book people have asked. Yeah. Like, what happens if Superman did kill? Right, but again, but not a, a crime syndicate version, though. Like, we're not talking no. about them flipping personalities and becoming insane. No, no. Right? Su- no, exactly. Superman proper, keeping yeah. the same personalities, yeah. but having them, you know, 
lose Some, a something major dramatic person. happened, and yeah, then absolutely. there's a shift just like we all have. In and life. what's what's good about this one also, you see how Wonder Woman is changing. Yeah. Even though I'm a little bit unhappy about her, I mean, she just like drank the Kool Aid immediately. Yeah. It was just like, but at the same time, though, I, being devil's advocate, even with myself in that statement, I kind of understand at least part of Wonder Woman's acceptance because, you know, I said, well, think about it. She's from a land of people that not only believe in, but know that gods exist. Yeah. To her and her people, Superman truly would be a god. Yep. So right. for her to be like, you should be taken over, pretty much kind of makes sense. That's, yeah. you know. That just reminded me of another scene where um, Ares, the god of war, oh, that was is, great. is uh, watching Wonder Woman as she stops. She literally headbutts a tank. And he's, he's <laughs> like, did you just headbutt a tank? She's like, yeah, well, you know, he was, they were firing, so I had to do something. So anyways, so Ares is, he's like, you know, you know what you're doing, right? You're making me more powerful. I thrive on war. And he was about to hit her, and out of nowhere, Superman just comes and snaps off his horn. He's like, you know what you're doing. Come on. And he pushes him <laughs> down, and then they, uh, Wonder Woman takes his own sword and just stabs him, uh, cuts off his hand first. And she's like, like if he's a little kid, you'll get this. It, uh, when you uh, calm down and start being better. Sorry, I about <laughs> she takes his hand and then stabs him with his own sword through the spinal cord and the Superman's like, is he dead? He's like, no, you can't kill a god. They just fade away. But, you know, uh, stab anybody through their spine and, of course, it, they'll feel a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was pretty funny. There's I mean, some funny parts. I definitely agree. I like Injustice, the comic book. My yeah. only issue is some the way some of the deaths have happened. Um, oh, yeah. Especially, and we were talking about it um, during the break, but I'm going to say one that, that I thought about. The way they killed off Nightwing. <laughs> Boop, my oh, head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hit to the head, and then he falls, and his head just, his, his neck just seems to line up perfectly with a rock that's on the ground <laughs> and that creates an angle at which his neck just falls backward. And These so, are the same heroes that are thrown through, like, you know, exactly. cement walls and everything yeah, like they're that. Th they're thrown through cement walls, they're, they're, they're blasted, they're, they're hit with omega beams, they're hit with all this stuff. And Nightwing, and mind you, when you play in um, Injustice, spoilers, um, <laughs> the, um, they talk about how Nightwing in the storybook mode, or in the story mode, is Damian Wayne. Yeah. That is not Nightwing because Dick Grayson died. And yeah. oh shit, Dick Grayson died. So when you read the when you're reading the comic book, you're like, I'm hoping they're gonna show how Dick Grayson died. And you see him trip over a fucking stick or he gets <laughs> tripped up and then lands on a rock and cracks his neck. That's it? Yeah, I, Nightwing's neck was brought to you by Ritz Crackers. <laughs> <laughs> it went and then after that happens, you know, I, I kinda felt I was watching um was it that that Martin Brandle flick? Which one? Uh <laughs> Godfather? No, no, the box. Uh, uh, Raging Bull. No, Raging Bull. No. Tango in Paris? No, no, no. Streetcar Named Desire. Holy hell. Right. Stella. Yeah, yeah. Stella. I, I, I kind of felt, you know, Batman was going to just kneel down and go, Dick! <laughs> okay. Well, he Batman's, yelled that a lot in the cave, I'm sure. I was about to say, but in my head, and he's a 12 year old boy in me, hearing Batman yelling out Dick. Would have to just say giggity. <laughs> the heroes would have been all snickering behind him. <laughs> Batman yelled dick. He would have looked around and they would have been like, oh, we're sorry. <laughs> but, in, in but I mean, it, but I, what it, I love about that scene, though, was, um, was, it, was it in the book or was it in the video game? I'm trying to remember when he's just oh, like, it, you know, it, when he's just like, you know, you killed my son. Mm -hmm. And that was just, I'm yeah, like, that's because that's, that is my whole thing. It's just like, Dick Grayson is his son. I don't care if Damien is a forced ejaculation clone slight overgrown kid or the fact that he um formally adopted uh 
Um, 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 not t- uh, Tim Drake. T- Tim Drake, etc. Yeah. Dick is his son, period. Yep. You know, that right, is right. the person that he would kill the other Robins if he had to for Dick. <laughs> you know. And, and, and what's funny? So Batman is, kills for Dick. All right. <laughs> Batman yells "Dick in the cave" and he kills for Dick. That's awesome. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by every third grader everywhere. <laughs> okay, um, but I definitely—I didn't I, even get a chance to make a Wonder Woman Pandora box joke. <laughs> you did earlier. <laughs> but um, I definitely agree that um, it's—it is touching to watch when Batman in the game says that he goes, you know. Dick, that that was my only son, or, the, or you killed my only son. Or, yeah, that was. It's, he says it in the comic too. Yeah, like he says, "Now my son is dead." Yeah, that that just it just it's everything that you want to read out of a Batman in that one sentence because it's just like, you know, we're so used to the the cold Batman. That's fine. It's part of his personality, and I, you know, even Dick makes fun. But, you know, we have to imagine that when when we're not seeing that one millionth death-defying mission, that they have personalities, obviously beyond just where's the next you know crime and. You just have to believe that Batman's not a cold-hearted ass all the time, and that he really, really loved Dick Grayson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I, and it kind of brings me back to the last episode of Meanwhile because I talked about um, the Red Hood, and it, sh- and I think that's what made it so tragic, is that he forms these bonds with these Robins, and you know, he, I mean, obviously Dick is the closest bond, right? You know, and Jason was the next one, and to have a Robin die under his watch was like tragic and yeah. then to find out that not only did he did not die but now he's he's you know he's reminding that shit crazy he's batshit crazy <laughs> and he's reminding <laughs> he's reminding him of his failures that you know that he didn't kill the joker he wasn't able to save him in time and he didn't you know when he finally caught the joker what did he do with him and i think that's what i loved about um the kill of the killing joke um um under the, red uh, under the red hood because it was just so like it was tragic the ending was like i remember watching that part where they show uh, the flashback of Jason Todd running around the Batcave. Like, mm-hmm. you can't catch me. I'm going to be the greatest hero around. And it ends on that. You're like, what? You're like, I felt heavy. Like, my heart felt heavy because, like, wow, Batman's got to live with that for the rest of his life. Yeah. All right. Wait, I'm going back to the um, injustice, though. Also, what I loved about the, the books is seeing the different heroes, how they're reacting. Like, I loved when Superman and Aquaman, with that... Oh, yeah. I mean, when I mean, just hearing Aquaman finally stand up because, first of all, DC has been doing a great job with Aquaman. I mean, that that storyline. I'm with in you, the Mike. recent DC, um, the New Fifty Two. They've actually brought Aquaman up to being a hero. He is fantastic and written well. Um, if you're not reading it, definitely read it. Um, but in the the comic, it's just. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not. I'm gonna have to paraphrase because I don't have the, the book in front of me. But basically, you know, Aquaman just says, he goes, I am the king of the seven seas. I own these seas. I allow you to do commerce at my bidding. Yeah. And it's like, you just realize, it's like, that's right. He's not the king of, like, you know, Pismo Beach or, you know, <laughs> that swimming pool down by the mall. City he, Island. <laughs> he, exactly. He is king of 80% of this world. Right. 80%. Yeah, but then what does Superman do in return? He says, oh. oh, you're the king? All right, you're the king. That hurt. Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, come with me. They pull Atlantis from the ocean and dump it in the, the freaking desert. That Love was that. amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, I mean, he had to give in. You know, he had to give in as king. Yeah. That was just... But at the same time... I guess it's know, not good to be king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, if I was him, I would have been sharpening a kryptonite trident right then and there. <laughs> I got you now, Batman. Motherfucker. <laughs> 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 
you just know he's sitting down there bitching to the tunas, you know. Char- Sorry, Charlie's sitting there like, oh, God, <laughs> where's that fisherman's net? I'm tired of hearing about this. You know, there, there was a, uh, uh, what was it, um, a moment there, you know, where you, you, you go back to um, the Wrath of the Titans, mm-hmm. where it's uh, Unleash the Kraken. Oh, yes, yes. Could you just hear Liam Neeson saying it? Yeah. Which he would have been doing it poorly because you really needed Sir John. Oh, no, it was Sir Lawrence Olivier right. in the original, and he's just great in that one. But yeah, it was the so same like, kind of a thought. He's like, well, what is that? Is, is that the waves? What's in the waves? It's the Kraken. Yeah, Wonder Woman's like, holy shit, I learned about that in mythology school. <laughs> when I learned about how I was born. And it was it was Shazam that's like, it's a myth. It's like, no. And Aquaman's like, no. Really? It's a myth? Man blessed by seven gods? <laughs> <laughs> You're the last to be talking about myths, motherfucker. He was Shut like, up and say Shazam and sit in the corner. That's right. That's right. He's like, uh, you have the wisdom of Solomon in your mind and you think that's a myth? <laughs> But I, but I also like uh, one of the storylines, too, involves um, uh, Billy Batson, you know, who's Shazam's alter ego, uh, and it's a 10-year-old boy, is just going around, like, interviewing different heroes oh, and yeah, yeah. people. That was a very touching um, one, too, because, it, again, paraphrasing, himself. when he's saying, he goes, you know, when he turns into Shazam, it's not like he becomes an adult. I mean, he just becomes an image of his father. Oh, yeah. It's his father that he becomes, technically. Oh, wow. I mean, not, I just don't say he becomes his father, but that image of an adult is his father. That's who he, who he looks like when he's um, Shazam. But he doesn't become an adult. And, you know, he's, he's still 10-year-old Billy Batson in that form. And he's just like, you know what? I've seen so much crime, death, and destruction more than any 10-year-old should have ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. and, that, and, and wow. when you just, it was just like, wow, that's deep. You know, because yeah. you forget that he's not an adult. I mean, he's, he looks like Superman for the most part, but he's 10 years old, you know? Wow. And having to make these assist- decisions, that's just fantastic. I was going to take it to another place. I was going to say, wow, 10-year-olds seeing a lot of crime sounds like a kid living in the inner city. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, and that is a joke, but, you know, like, like on, some real sh- on some real stuff. So I was like, It's kind of fucked up, man. The kid's an orphan. Yeah, I know. But what I'm saying is, you know, like, you know, inner city kids see that stuff every day. Now all of them get to turn out to be superheroes. So, yeah. right. This one actually has a chance to... Make a difference in a yeah. fantasy world. But, but, by, but by saying "G golly," kind of take turns me off. <laughs> G golly, Superman! Did you see that? I'm like, God, Billy, shut the fuck up. That, there was an episode of, uh, I think it was Justice League. Justice League Unlimited with the yeah, where Shazam is the first episode with Shazam. Yeah, I love that episode. That's and fantastic. he's like the ultimate fanboy. He's like, Oh my God, Superman! Oh, can I have your autograph? <laughs> and then they have to end up fighting each other. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. He's like, you want my autograph? Here you go. There's my autograph. <laughs> well, I like um, when uh, the beginning of that, uh, soon after um, the beginning when uh, Superman and Batman are fighting some ridiculous criminals or whatever, but they're talking about Captain Marvel, who is still going as Captain Marvel by the point, not as Shazam. And, uh, you know, Batman's just like, well, you know, Everybody likes him. He's like a big Boy Scout. And Superman's like, I thought I was a Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's all like hurt. And then Batman's like, you know, uh, he's like, well, why do you like him so much? He's like, well, he's cheery. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so great. And, and you know what's funny that you mentioned that? That the fact that, Mar- uh, that the DC officially changed the name from Captain Marvel to Shazam. As a kid, I always wondered, why don't they just call him Shazam? Why don't they just get rid of Captain Marvel? Because that's, a, you know, Marvel you know, has their company, why not get rid of it and just call them Shazam? And now that they've actually done it, I'm like, well, that was dumb. Well, no, I mean, it's it's one of those things that I never wanted. Um, at least though now, at least I think they have solved it now, is that him changing into Captain Marvel or Shazam or Billy Batson is now an act of will with the word. In other words, before, if he ever said Shazam, he changed no matter what. Yeah. Now I think he has to want to change back. Otherwise, he can say Shazam and pull down the power of the lightning without changing. Because uh, otherwise, before the New 52, 
you had um, Captain Marvel Jr., who, what that was, um, Freddie. I can't think of Freddie's last Freddie name. Mer- no, Freddie Mercury. Mercury, that's Freddie singer. Mercury. That, that was Queen. <laughs> Queen. Queen's an awesome group. Go ahead. Oh yeah, um, but um, but he changed into Captain Marvel Jr. by saying the name of his favorite hero, which was Captain Marvel, which meant, and they brought this up many times. He could never say who he was. So, like, they would be like, you know, thank you. Who are you? I'm – and then he'd have to walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that's I'm pretty just, dumb. Just, just hold up a Wiley Coyote sign. That says <laughs> well, he ended up changing his name at some point to CM3, believe it or not, because CM3. Mary Marvel was the second of the Marvel, so he became right. CM3. And I'm like, that's even dumber. You sound like a rapper. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> CM3, uh, baby, lightning. <laughs> the ones that were w- with Black Adam, they would say Black Adam to transform. Right. Yeah, oh, that God. was a great storyline in 52. When I first heard of Shazam, you know, there, there was a, a, an actual old cartoon yeah. where Shazam was like a, a, a genie or something. Oh, no, 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 that's not Shazam. That's Shazam with an N. Oh, okay. But I used to think it was the same thing, too. You sure? Yeah. That's right. the one with, is that Shaq? No, no, well, no, no, no. Well, that's, no, that's something else oh, okay. that no one should ever talk about again. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the kid's superpower hour back in the. Oh, yeah, you know, he was talking yeah. about the one that's even older than that. There was two yeah. kids that have kids. half of a ring or something yeah, like they that. Have each. each one has half a ring. They they go, they go travel on a flying camel. Yeah, like yeah. Shizuki or something like that. Yeah, and then uh, whenever wow. they're in trouble, they, these kids seem to get in trouble a lot. So they would just put well, their Well, there are two rings. white kids in the Arabian desert. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. <laughs> They would put their Post rings together. Pre-9-11. Pre-9-11. Yeah. They would put their rings together, and they would say, Shazan, and then you see this genie just... This giant genie, right, or he could be any size he wanted to pop out of nowhere and just save the day and do stuff, you know? Yeah, he was, like, completely omnipotent. <sighs> Once again, was, was the genie like black-looking? No, actually, he was the very stereotypical Arabian guy with the, the bald head and then the ponytail. Yeah, he looked black. like Yul Brenner from Moses, but on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> well, once again, dark helping out the light, and we don't get no props. And, and we got to go back in the freaking ring. Then he, <laughs> back in the ring. He would have <laughs> Sorry, that deep, deep voice. He'd be like... Oh, I am here to help you. Ah. But he's always laughing because I think he loved the fact that those kids were always at death's door. Yeah. <laughs> He'd always show up. Oh, 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 of course I'll help you now. <laughs> he was probably watching the whole time. Oh, you know, he was probably setting them up. <laughs> all right, all right. But that was a good one. But the Shazam Power Hour, I remember that one too. I love that. You know what's funny? Shazam because Power it, Hour. It, yeah. Check it out like on YouTube. 80s. The Kids Super Power Hour with Shazam. And it was like four or five kids. It was, and they were, it was, they were like live action and they were like dressed in superhero costumes and they went to like a, a superhero high school yeah because they and would sing like they would like have songs in the very beginning or something like that freaking horrible oh, oh they were horrible God. songs it was horrible songs. it was um, I can't remember what, what company did it at the time but then they would include a Shazam cartoon so I would have to endure watching these freaking little teeny boppers like <laughs> looking like Kids Incorporated yes I mentioned Kids Incorporated <laughs> forgot all about them oh shoot I remember them like yesterday so you know you, you'd watch this show and you had these singing kids like you know, doing dancing and all this stuff and all of a sudden Cap can't dance by the way Cap, <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> I'm a captain of a, a lot of things podcast. not captain of dancing <laughs> but um, in, in without all with all this dancing and stuff you had the Shazam cartoon, which was like maybe 10 minutes long. Right, but I'll take it back even further to the Shazam live action from the 70s. I remember 70s. going to your house and watching oh that. Oh my God, I love that. It just, it, it, it was it was a fun show. I mean, it's completely, you know, always do the right thing kind of a show. There was no real mystery about what's going on. Like Except, Barney? Exactly. It's pretty much like Barney, but <laughs> just like maybe two steps ahead of that one, you know, a little bit better. But, you know, there was always the question of that Billy, in this one, traveled around in a, a, an RV with a guy that they called... Not Merlin, it's something along that line. Um, but it was this old white guy, white haired, white mustache. But he wasn't, he was like his guardian. He wasn't related to him? No. 
So no, that was his guardian. Exactly. Traveling in an RV. You're going right. where? Go yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it's not like, raising any right. flags. Exactly. He wasn't a 10 year old. I think he was, it still wasn't much better. I think he was 15 or 16. So he was really in the height of his, like, you know, sexual energy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was just a great cartoon. And they had this, like, weird semi-circular device with these little lights sticking out of it and whenever he had to, to talk to the gods he would talk to them now remember it's live action but the gods were hand-drawn animation and they're like you know it was basically yeah. a still image but their mouths kind of moved a little bit kind of like motion comics now you know <laughs> kind of like the first um marvel um cartoons where they were kind of like static yeah exactly but their mouths would move exactly <laughs> so that was fantastic and then of course you know it was followed up by the isis show that was even better before we go before we move on to the next comic book that we enjoy reading um before because injustice obviously opened up all this stuff quick question did you ever feel like shazam's cape was too short no love this oh my god it reminds me of those women now who wear the short little leather jackets <laughs> it wasn't that short. oh it was short it look at his cape his, butt. his cape his cape was not to his butt his cape is above his waist yep. it's like here uh, maybe it's like it's like mid cape it was kind of like Power Girl's cape, basically, where, you know, I guess yeah, I don't know. Power Girl got those. boobs. I can, I can, looking at her boobs, I'm not worried about her cape. <laughs> I'm just saying. I wasn't looking at his cape either, but I, yeah, I but you know, Like, when you look at his uniform, like, I, I mean, I'm a big Captain Marvel fan. One of the reasons why I'm called the Cap. But I'm a big Captain Marvel fan, but I remember, you know, not seeing him for a long time in comic books. Yeah. And then finally becoming older and seeing him. And I'm like, was this cape that short? And it did it have that '70s collar? Yeah, always. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is really poorly yeah, done. Because remember, he wasn't DC; he was Fawcett Comics. Right. You know, and that was what '50s, I think. So like everything, you know, the whole '50s look was in. So you had to have the the George Judson collar sticking up, or or as we all know, it's the the lesbian collar. You know. Wow. <laughs> and I stopped insulting people, so Mike could start. <laughs> lesbian collar. Wow, okay. It's a lesbian flip-up Fonzie collar. You know which one it is. Hey. I'm hey. Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> but you can call me Joan. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, so uh, Ralph, you love Injustice. Yeah. And another one that I, read, I, start, I started reading, I haven't caught up on it yet. But was Animal Man and Swamp Thing. Okay. Yeah. So Animal I've been Man, reading Animal Man's good. It's a comic by itself, and it really this one really shows the roots of how he, he gains his powers. So first he thought it was aliens that gave him his mm -hmm. powers, and then they they show that no, it wasn't aliens. It was the red, which is pretty much uh, uh, totems that represent life on Earth. Right. And then you got the their I guess uh, opposing force, but not really opposing, but they're opposites which is the green, and then you have the rot that battles both of them. Right, well, they really, I think they had said in there that at any time, one might become more dominant, but that yeah. none should ever take over. You yeah, know, it's just, I guess there's a time when there's more animal life on the earth versus plant life or something yeah. like that, or more green, et cetera, you know. I, I think just realized something. Animal Man was done by, back in the day, was Alan Moore, right? Um, Alan Moore? No. No, was that was uh, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison. But I mean, he, you know, he didn't create him. I mean, Animal Man's from way back in the day, but he did him justice in the '80s. Because I mean, those, I mean, the the, the, the Grant Morrison um, Animal Man and the Alan Moore Swamp Thing, yeah, right, are, are two really good titles. So for you to say, you know, that that you like Animal Man and they and, include Swamp Thing, and, and it's kind of funny because they since they include Swamp Thing, um, this was the Swamp Thing that uh, Alan Moore created. Okay, so they so, kept that one. So they continued from there, where oh, where cool. where he has um, I forgot the his wife's name. I don't remember. Yeah, but she's there with him because there's actually uh, a few crossover issues on both Animal Man and Swamp Thing. 
where they have to go down into the rot. So it's like hell to bring uh, to fight. Uh, his I guess uh, Arcane, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And because I, I believe he has his daughter, right? Right. Yeah. Animal Man's daughter. Animal Man's daughter, which is the the. If you believe this, they the only reason they created Animal Man was because they didn't have an avatar for the Red, which is what Animal Animal Man is. So then Animal Man gets his wife pregnant, and his youngest daughter becomes the avatar. So she she already has all the powers of controlling uh, life, basically, almost pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. uh, There was one issue where uh, it's just starting out, and I think the daughter she's she's bringing back. Um, animals from the dead. Yeah, that was kind of cool. So you see, and like creepy. skeleton uh, creatures, like pets that were buried around their yard. <laughs> wow. Coming oh, back. Oh yeah, I, I, I read that one. I, yeah. I didn't buy it, but I read it. It, it looked cool. But so it was, it was actually pretty interesting. Yeah, so I, mean, I enjoyed the Animal Man story. I mean, I definitely found the first arc though longer than it should be. I mean, I still yeah. enjoyed it, but it was probably at least a good five or six issues longer than it should be because I think it went. 11 or 12 or more issues. Yeah, there's like 20, there's 23 right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it went more than they must have gone like 20 issues by the time it wrapped up, you know. I'm an art snob. So for me, I remember looking at Animal Man and being like, it's different. And you know yeah. what? I like different yeah, no, later on. Like, I have to appreciate it. If it's, if it's something that I'm not used to, it takes me a while to appreciate, yeah. you know, that kind of art form. So I just remember. And it was like, very different. So in, in this one, um, Animal Man actually gets killed, right? And uh, the totems for the red bring him back and they build him a new body but this time when they first made him they didn't want to give him too much power so they restricted his access to the red so his new body has more power now has a stronger connection to the red so now he actually transforms a little bit right so, yeah he doesn't become full on but yeah. he kind of morphs more yeah. so so there's actually a part where you you he actually looks like he's hulking out because he, he like he, he comes he becomes really big and buff and he's like part bear or something and Wow, he, he grows wings and he can fly in the sky like that. He actually instead of flying before how he used to, where he's like he takes the ability from the animals. He actually grows those abilities, yeah. or, or like well, it actually makes more part. sense too. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. He, okay. he grows wings and he has like claws and he's like an eagle in the sky or whatever. And he comes out, so right, it's, cool. it's actually pretty good. Right. I would recommend if you want to read a good comic, that's a good one to start off. Yeah, with. and even if you don't read the the whole war about the red, where it's picking up now, which is, and I am going to spoil this for anybody, um, his son Cliff thankfully has finally been killed um <laughs> he was just an unimportant character in my opinion emo, emo, uh, you know, emo, emo, yeah emo. And he, um so he's died and animal man is dealing with that and, and they're not letting it go it's not like one of those like oh you're dead i'm over it by the next issue kick ass and, exactly <laughs> um you know so like it's it's definitely picking up from there and uh it's it's a great story right now okay all right mike what um what what do you got in regards to um books you're reading books i'm reading i read almost everything it seems like or Good and bad. <laughs> um, definitely loving All New X-Men by Brian Bendis. Absolutely. Wait, spe- wait, you like something that Brian Bendis wrote? It's taken years. He had to redeem himself. He murdered me all through uh, New Avengers. Avengers and New Avengers. New Avengers. When he started New Avengers. And even his own comic powers was just getting tiring. I mean, he was he was just Bendising himself. He just wasn't being creative. And, and Ultimate, X, I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. He did the original run of that. That... It was just getting tiring, but um, he has redeemed himself with all new X-Men. And uh, Stuart Immerman, who I just love his artwork. Stuart Immerman is oh, His artwork is great. If you ever get the chance to read Next Wave, not only is it amazingly funny, it is just beautifully done. Um, but anyhow, uh, all new X-Men, what it is is that uh, it's bringing the X-Men from the past. So that's the original five X-Men, uh, Scott, Gene, Bobby, Iceman, uh, uh, Hank, 
and uh, Angel, right. bringing all of them as they were soon after. I think they're only supposed to have been with the professor maybe about a year or less than a year, yeah. um, bringing them from the past into the future uh, for different reasons. One, uh, Hank is again going through his, I guess, third mutation and it's killing him and he was kind of thinking that his younger self would probably be able to figure out an answer, but also um, due to the whole A versus X and the things coming back and all the events that happened there with Scott having killed, um, Scott meaning Cyclops, having killed Professor X while under the thrall of the power. You forgot to say spoilers. Okay. They're spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that was a spoiler. Um, all that going on, he also thought that maybe if Scott saw, not just Scott, but all of them, if they saw the future that they were fighting for, that they would understand that they've got a lot more to do and do it right in their past. But um, in that, what's happened is that the X-Men, the, the past X-Men have decided to stay, um, and things are kind of going badly. It's, it's, it's ripping apart the time stream and everything like that, but it is just great writing. Mm -hmm. it is, it, there's, there's no lull. It, it's, it's just the comic to read right now. Bendis, you messed up Ultimate Spider-Man, the, the cartoon series, Oof. but you made all new X-Men. I mean, it's great. It's great reading. I mean, from every issue, and I can say there's not one issue where I'm like, oh, that sucked. I mean, everything, you know, you might be disappointed because it ended a little bit too soon, but it just moves really, really well. Um, I like the fact that you have, you have these questions being asked, you know, from the original X-Men. Right, crew. real questions. I mean, like, there's no pussyfooting around, like, you know, Jean, uh, who develops her telepathy faster, because, again, when Jean first started with the X-Men, she was a telekinetic. And as we had read Con before, Professor had actually downplayed her telepathy because of an accident she experienced as a kid, so that she didn't get her telepathy until way later in the uh, the original run of the X-Men series. So here, she still shouldn't have gotten it. She's gotten it ahead of time. And instead of them pussyfooting around like the, well, you know, Jean, you're just not here kind of a thing, she actually reads the adult Hank's mind and she sees everything that she's done um, up to and what the Phoenix did in her name, I guess is the best way of putting it. I mean, she sees her own death her relationship with Scott, I mean, everything. It's just, mm -hmm. just in her reaction to it is just what you would think it would be. I mean, it's just heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. Four and to five. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those books where, you know, you oh, you know we always, and it's funny, because one of the first podcasts we talked about was the whole, or maybe the second podcast, we talked about um, the idea of time travel and about time stories. Right. And, and, you know, it's interesting because now you bring the X-Men from this past to the present or to our present right. and to see how they're affected you know not not only how they affect our universe but how they are affected right. i mean the fact that angel freaks out yeah i loved it because angel's like yo we're not supposed to be doing this what the hell and and, and to watch gene abuse her powers yeah fantastic because yeah. you know if you had that much power yeah you freaking abuse it right well the abuse he's talking about by the way is that she stops angel from not just from flipping out but she forces him to change his mind about wanting to stay using right. her telepathy, something that the professor would never have allowed. You right. Know? And, and, and they're all going through it. And, and it's funny because Jean is the one who goes through the most, I feel like she's pretty much the most developed character out of all of them. Well, I think they're doing a good job with Scott because Scott has, the young Scott has to deal with the fact that not only has the adult self killed the professor, but he's also the most hated mutant on the planet right now because when he had the Phoenix, the Phoenix power, he was basically, he, I think he's murdered thousands of people in trying to terraform the world into a better place basically right. when he had the power so yeah so he's now living with basically he's a mass murderer and he's killed the man that he saw as his father but he's but he kind of takes the stance of what did i do wrong but the younger scott sees this and is like 
wow, I'm that much of an asshole? That's what yeah. I turned into? <laughs> and, oh, one really touching thing, too, is um, this is because, again, of the they're trying to give you as much of the flavor of the original timeline of the you know 60s X-Men comics as they can in a short span of time. So this is also before younger Scott ever met his brother oh, Havoc because he I still assumes that. Havoc is dead because they you know they lost each other as children and he sees Havoc now as an adult. So now you know you not only get the the, the reunion but also the roles changing of who's younger who's older. That was just fantastic and, was. and because Havoc is so angry at adults, Scott can't talk to him, basically hates him, you know, for what he's done. You know, but to see him just be like, you know, that's my little brother or my big brother, <laughs> you know, that's my younger older brother. <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's just so well done. Um, like I said, they've done no wrong so far with, with the series. It's it, it truly is it's truly amazing. It's definitely. funny because I, 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 I if my brother's listening, I love you. Um, I, I know because I, I see that and I was like, you know what, that was touching because watching him and Havoc like kind of have that moment of. Holy shit, you're alive! And having say again, and having say, "Wow, you're yeah. really Scott," you know. And <laughs> and before you kind of like you know turned, yeah. it was really cool. And then, and then it's funny because they have a couple of those interactions while the while the Uncanny Avengers, which is a horrible book, not yeah. horrible, but it's turned to be an uninteresting book. But you have the Uncanny Avengers, which Havoc is leading, and they bump into the all new X Men. And the fact, and while they were together, you see Havoc and, and Cyclops interacting. It, it was fun. Yeah, was I think a there was a, again paraphrasing. I think there's something like uh, Havoc hugs Scott and you know the young Scott, and he's just like you know, is, you know, we're hugging. Is this what we do? And even Havoc's like, no, we don't. And but he's like, but let's do this now. Yeah, you know, it's just it was cool. so it touching. Was real you know, cool. just just so well done. And the other story plots that are just going on in there without even getting into them are are just really interesting. Um, Between Mystique. Yeah, uh, you have the mystique and her and her ploy of trying to trying to take over Ma uh, Madripoor. Yeah, Madripoor, but she also has some other plan with the mutants, what we're unclear with right now. You know, right. it's so you've got that going on, and then you've got Kitty Pride because, mind you, for those who don't read X Men, there are two separate X Men teams. There are two separate X Men teams. There's Wolverine's team, the horrible one. Well, not the well, <laughs> they're not horrible. Mike just doesn't read Wolverine the X Men. It's a pretty good book. No one should. Whatever. You read Bionic Woman. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was going to say that's a great comic, but it's not. <laughs> and didn't Kim Smith write that, or he wrote Bionic Man? He wrote Bionic Man and introduced Bionic Woman, but. Uh, Let's just leave that alone. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the point is that there's two separate X-Men teams. Wolverine's team that live in the Jean Grey school for gifted gifted youngsters or whatever they call it. That's basically the old school, Xavier school, just rebuilt. And okay. Wolverine, um, Beast, um, Kitty Pride, and a couple of the Ice older, older X-Men. What? Iceman. Iceman, um, Rachel Summers. Right. They're, they're all the, the, the headmasters of the school, or the teachers at the school. And then you have Cyclops' team, who's kind of like the rebel team. They're kind of like the, like, if you wanted to go Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, those are pretty much the two teams. Right. And you would have Wolverine as Martin Luther King, which is so fucking weird. And then you have um, Cyclops, who takes on the um, Malcolm X role. And not quite as Malcolm X, but he's on the extreme of we need to stick by ourselves. We, you know, mutants got to stick up for each other and not kill other people. But nobody's sticking up for us. We got to stick up for right. us. Right. And also, um, Scott's so like basically his philosophy is kind of like, you know, the children have to learn to fight and defend. Whereas Wolverine is saying, no, the kids should kids. learn to be kids. Right. Which, of course, is the dumbest thing to hear out of Wolverine's mouth. But that's why I don't read it. So Scott's team is like a, a, a toned down version of the Brotherhood. Uh, 
basically, I mean, yeah. I mean, just especially like, now because before he actually had more of a school going, but now that he's the most hated mutant in the world, he's on the run with these young yeah, students. No, now. no, but but when but when he was when he divided from Wolverine, he had more villains on his squad. He had Namor, who was kind of a, on the villain side. You had um, Magneto, who's still on that team. You had um, Ileana, who's still on the team. Yeah, who's still on the team. Um, you, but you had more. You had more villains. You had Colossus, who had the um, the crystal from. Um, um, Don't go there. What? <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there with Colossus? Colossus that had Sidorak and became the next juggernaut? Yeah, so you really want to go there? I No, that's what I'm saying. I didn't say it was great. That's when it was, the writing was bad. But what I'm saying now is that you have these two separate teams, and he had more villains then than he does now. Like, Ileana's still there. White Queen is still there. Um, i trying to think who else is on that team. I mean, and then it's more, more just these youngsters that are on the run. So it's, I felt like the, the first team he had was a bunch of villains. And now he has these youngsters that he's trying to teach to defend themselves because he goes, you know what? And this is Cyclops' philosophy, and I agree with it. You know what? Nobody's going to try to, you know, I'm not going to be there to hold your hand when somebody tries to kick your ass because you're a mutant. <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, and I'm going to bring it back. It kind of brings it back to, like, race relations of the 60s and, and 50s. Well, that's what the X-Men was. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the whole point of the Absolutely. original team, even though they were all white at the time um, until they branched out into the new X-Men. I mean, the whole point was... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the whole point of the original X-Men team was that they were it was it was a way to talk about racism, except, you know, well, here we're not talking about race because all these people are white and that they actually seem normal and should fit in. But they're hated because of what they are. In this case, they're mutants. There's something different about them. So it was just not only race, but there was also the whole sexuality, whether it be gay, yeah. you know, bi, that kind of a thing. Right. It, it touched on all of that because they were just. They were considered un- abnormal because they didn't follow what everyone else does. How do you how, how do you address somebody that's different? That's kind of the basic right. overarching theme. And I think that you know I like that about Cyclops' team. Um, and I, I'm a big Cyclops fan. I mean, I have two Cyclopses on my uh, on my um, wall. My wall. And I'm does that big. mean that they can see out of both eyes now? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Cyclops. Still can't see clearly. Um, but, Cy- but Cyclops is one of my favorite guys. So I like the fact that you know he's. That, that he has this team and he's kind of gone the other way because Cyclops is boring for a bunch of years and I'm, I'm a big Cyclops um, I'd say about what 40, 50? yeah <laughs> but he was he, he was the nerd he was the, the teacher's pet he was the guy he was Xavier's first student so I understand why he was oh, no, the teacher's pet he was uptight you know? but you know they had to break him open and, and you know by, by dumping Jean Grey or cheating on Jean Grey was the big thing with Emma Frost yeah. and now you know, look at Emma Jean Frost Grey's outfits throughout the ages every single one of them is from the neck or temple down to the ankle covered. <laughs> really? He? You think that he's getting any play out of jeans? Wow, so she's wearing all yellow from head to toe. I want to fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks just like that nun from my old school. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got the slutty schoolgirl that comes in with her, uh, what is that? Oh, Emma Frost tight, with her, 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 bustier, her bustier and thong mm-hmm. and uh, her, her pimp coat. Yeah. <laughs> and yet somehow she felt that she was a self-made strong woman. I'm like, you look like a whore's whore. <laughs> <laughs> Backpedaling for all the whores. Sorry about that, whores. <laughs> you know who you are. No, I wonder what it's like. It must be weird because you know, she turns into diamonds, right? So, what does it feel like? <laughs> That's <Right>? tight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just to piggyback on Mike's thing, I, I do agree. All new X Men is a great read, and um, X Men, and I try to stick with the X Men for such a long time through Uncanny. Through um, oh, what was the other one? Astonishing, which actually was good. At Astonishing first. was no, Astonishing was great. No, absolutely. At first, no, until until when Whedon stops his run. At right. Tw- was it twenty five? Yeah, twenty four, twenty five, and then it kept going, and it oh, sucked. Yeah. 
yeah. The mother box and all that. The mother uh, box, but yeah, the, kind of, yeah. The, the ghost box. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's we don't want to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, but All New X-Men is a great read. The art is fantastic. Even the one issue where, um, what's his name, didn't draw it? I like yeah, that I mean, book. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, just, I just did not like the actual art. Mike's understating it. Mike came into my job and was like, don't tell me you like this book. I'm like, what are you talking about? It looks like manga. <laughs> it, it looked like a Yu-Gi-Oh cartoon just in two dimensions and without any, like, cards with abilities on it. It was, it was just the lamest thing I'd ever seen. I liked it because it wasn't, I don't, I didn't believe it was that far off to being like manga. I liked the fact that uh, an artist took a different take on the, you know, and I knew it wasn't going to be the permanent artist, thank God. I mean, you know, but I like I like seeing different things. He didn't take a different take. He took this, acid. This <laughs> coming from the guy that didn't like Gotham Knights because it was too much of a Japanese Yeah, but you know style. what? I, I like my Batman classically drawn. Two words. <laughs> Neil Adams. Look him up. How right. about that? Oh, Neil Adams. <laughs> right, right. You look up wonderful. Neil Adams, yeah. you'll be like, Ryan, you are absolutely right. Yeah, Neil Adams is fantastic. Dude, exactly. I'll even go to somebody you know. Jim Lee. That's how I want my Batman drawn. Right. Yeah, Jim Lee. What? I mean, I like Jim Lee's because he's just so... Jim Lee's another one that he looks a little bit more poser than fluidity. Like Neil Adams, it was fluid. Like he looks like he's in motion at all times. Uh, Jim Lee's character is just like, look at me. I look great standing and posing like this, don't I? And you know, I mean, again, it's not falling. I still love Jim Lee's artwork, but I just think his artwork's a little stiffer. Well, the, 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 point, well, the point I'm trying to say, and I, I disagree with Mike, but you know, I mean, it pays to like assholes. Um, <laughs> I, I, sometimes you're friends with them. <laughs> not you. Um, <laughs> what what I'm saying is that I think Batman has to be classically drawn. That's why I had an issue with Gotham Knights. I feel like Frank Miller, Neil Adams, Jim Lee. I won't say classic. I'll give you that. Jim Lee's not a classic. No. But um, and you should oh, actually, what's his name? If you've never seen Alan Gene, Davis. Alan Davis did great. Alan He's Davis. fun. And if you ever see Gene Colan's run on Batman from back in the day, yes, I'm a huge Gene Colan fan because I'm a huge Tomb of Dracula fan. Um, <sighs> yeah. Oh, oh, you've never read it. <laughs> never read it. Don't give me that. Oh. <laughs> Everybody that's ever read Tomb of Dracula will tell you it is the most incredible Dracula story ever, ever written, and it really is. And it really is. And coming up soon, just to kind of give a little plug, plug, on our meanwhile22pageslater.com um, website, we're going to put up a reading list of things that, that myself, uh, Mike, and Ralph are interested in. And I think that's on your list, right, Tomb of Dracula? Always. 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 <laughs> Always. Right. But, uh, but heading back real fast, because uh, I you know, want to get on with um, two more of uh, the books that we're reading, I wanted to mention about um, the all-new X-Men. The only uh, fault I have with it, and it doesn't come up very often, but you have to realize the X-Men, they're not immortal. I mean, th these are our students. They age normally. You know, I mean, Wolverine, of course, has its exception. But, I mean, our main five characters aren't. So they're supposedly, like, what, 18-ish, maybe, or something like that, um, as opposed to, let's just say, even if you want to say they were, let's say, 15 to 16, and the adults that themselves are meeting now are 30, just for the sake of argument. It's 14 years ago. That would be 1999. The, Bendis is writing the young X-Men as if it's still 1960. So they're all, yes, sir, no, sir. I mean, they're extra polite like they used to be back then. Mm -hmm. Also, there is a scene where Kitty is training them in the danger room, and they put up an image of Times Square as it is now. Now, remember, they're only about 14 years different. So 1999 Times Square and... 2013 Times Square, not much of a difference. They're looking at things like, wow, look at all these billboards and posters. And I'm like, and, and they were amazed also that bottled water exists. You mm -hmm. know, and I'm like, guys, it's did not Did anybody say G. Golly? Yes, I think so. Wait, or something along that line, wait, actually. Did, I think did, they have. Did Bendis actually designate when the original X-Men um, 
were well, it, 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 it wouldn't matter in other words they, they're not immortal that's what I'm saying in other words so that if they're just even no, if they're I, 15 years difference yeah. from their adult selves you're still only going back to the late 90s I mean there was bottled water there were cell phones the Times Square still looked like advertisement heaven you know I mean they're, they're not the 1960s ones brought here going wow look how the world's changed it yeah. hasn't it's not like if it was the 60s and 80s. Or, matter of fact, you could even go and say the 80s. Right. And the 80s. they look back, they look up in, in Times Square and go, wow, there's not a big boob up there. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. For those who didn't live in New York, I mean, New York, Times Square was like, it was the, 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 the ball for um, New Year's Eve, and then it was nothing but smut. <laughs> I, no, seriously, seriously. I'm not Until sure if you know. Giuliani I mean, got through Rob, with you, it. did you remember that? What year was that? I mean, um, any oh, the the late eighties into the I mean the eight seventies into the into like the nineties. I was born in eighty eight. Wow. Yeah. So Times Square, just to give you a heads up, was just all like smut. Like all those um on um, those great little shops were all like you know, um, peep shows, triple X porn theaters, triple X porn theaters, and like 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 yeah. life size pictures of these girls naked. You guys were born in the good era, man. Okay. <laughs> um, ducking for cover for you know to yeah. save our lives. I don't think so. I mean, I, one I hate Giuliani for a lot of things, but one thing I'm happy about that he cleaned up a lot of New York. No, but bring, but bringing it back to the new all new X Men, I think it's just a, it's a great read. I agree no, with yeah. you. Like, yeah, that's, that's my fantastic. only thought that I have. It is a great read. It's a fantastic read, man. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. Um, oh, do you have any other books that you? Thor, uh, the new um, series of Thor that's coming out, Thor God of Thunder. It has been a fantastic run. I think it's been, even including the last issue, which is not so much a follow-up issue, but 12 issues of just pure heaven. Um, I won't spend too much time on this one since we talked so long about the other. It's you, you get right away that there's this, this being that's able to kill gods, and not only is it able to kill gods, it's doing it, and it's doing it a lot. In fact, it's doing it everywhere and throughout time. So you end up meeting Thor from the past, like in the 800s, you get the Thor from current day, and you get Thor from the year 3000 or so. And it's just wonderful seeing them interact. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a great read. You cannot go wrong with that book. It's a book that um, I don't know if it's getting picked up enough of, but definitely read it. Okay. Um, I, I mean, the, I, I'll say, yeah, but the only problem, my problem is that if Thor is anything like the movie, I'll probably fall asleep and not watch it. Ooh, <laughs> uh, nothing I'll, like I'll, that. Really? Okay, Mike. Me and you tend to disagree a lot more than me and Ralph. Yeah. I'll pick up one issue. I, I'm the I'm the guy that has class and taste. Just <laughs> <laughs> I think you forgot less in class. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'll mention one of the books I'm reading. Book I'm reading, and I know Mike's reading it, and I know that I told Ralph he needs to read it. Do you hear a buzzing? Yeah. yeah, it'll, um, yeah it'll go away. Ralph's a text on it. All right, so um, one of the books that I'm reading that I recommend everybody to read is The Superior Spider-Man. I remember back about a year ago, Mike and I were reading Spy um, Amazing Spider-Man when that when that book was still out, mm -hmm. and Mike and I were sitting there and reading it. And Mike was not a big fan of Dan Slott. He's like, "Where is he going with this?" No, no, no. I was a fan of Dan Slott. He just made a lot of really bad errors during that time, like when he did the gauntlet of the the villains. Dude, that was horrible. Dude, you weren't happy with the gauntlet. You weren't happy with Spider Island. You were very critical. Who was happy with Spider, Spider Island? Island? Spider Island. We Manhattan got infected because the not the Goblin. What's the um, the other one? Um, the Jackal had created a virus that would give everybody in the city Spider-Man's Spider powers. powers. In, well, including ones he didn't have because it, it allowed them to make organic webbing. And when I say everyone, I don't mean a lot of people. I'm talking 8 million people with Spider-Man abilities. 
Okay. That, but the, the look on Ralph's face just says, stop telling me about this now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's exactly how it read. Plus, it had Umberto Ramos doing the artwork. And... I love Umberto Ramos. Oh. He's fantastic. Oh, in his own mind. <laughs> um, Umberto Ramos is a, is a good marriage. Umberto Ramos is a good marriage between um, manga style and American style, but without looking too manga. It, it, it gives a very fun look. But we're not going to go there because it's not a visual podcast. <laughs> manga kid. But... And Mike's always making fun of me. Did you see your boy on Bird Ramos? He ruined another issue. <laughs> but, yeah, so what I'm saying is that, you know, like, in the beginning, I, Mike doesn't want to admit it, but he was a little more skeptical about where Dan Slott was going. So here's what the bottom line is. Um, basically, Spider-Man and um, Dr. Octopus have been fighting for a while. Dr. Octopus has gotten old. So he was trying to find a way of finally getting... Not old. He was dying from between being beaten so badly by Spider-Man plus the radiation from his own arms. Was, it was Thank actually giving so him sorry. cancer I, and whatnot else. I yeah. just remembered. I'm, I'm sorry, yes. So I know that he tried to come up with some, some way of um, getting his revenge on Spider-Man. So what does he do? He finds a way to, to transfer basically brainwaves or, or information from Spider-Man to him. So basically, Dr. Octopus is essentially in Spider-Man's body and vice versa. The old brain swap. Yep, and so you've got Peter Parker in Dr. Octopus's body saying, help me, and he can't speak because the body's like like decomposing and dying as, as, as we speak. And the Avengers like, look at his bum. Look at him. Let's call Spider-Man over, not realizing that the brain swap has happened. And kind of, you know, this Spider-Man who's Dr. Octopus shows up like, yeah, get rid of him, whatever. <laughs> and they're like, damn, Peter, you okay? And he's like, you know, yeah, you know, whatever. We need to get rid of him. It's finally, I'm glad I'm done with him. So... Basically, Peter Parker finds a way in this body to um, get mobilized, get some villains behind him, even though he's kind of like, wow, I'm getting villains to fight with me, but whatever. <laughs> I'm going to get my body back. So he tries to get his decrepit body that he's trapped in to fight Dr. Octopus, who's in his body. The fight ensues, all this fighting goes on, and eventually Peter Parker cannot get his body back. So he dies in Dr. Octopus's body. And, and in, the, in the dialogue, he's talking to, to um, Dr. Octopus, and here's the thing, here's the thing, it's not only a mind swap, but because it's not necessarily the brains, but it's the information, Dr. Octopus has all the information that Peter Parker had, so he knows who Peter Parker is, he knows all his experiences, all the things he likes he doesn't like, but still knows who he is. And, and same vice versa with Peter Parker. Right. He knows all the things that Dr. Octopus does, um, likes or dislikes. Which, which just to the toss in there, um, is... It's in that during it's during that last fight that because Peter has Doc Octopus's memories, he actually knows some of the equipment that the Doc used and is able to force. Not just it's Doc has his memories, but he doesn't have the emotional connection to them. Thank and you, Mike. There you Thank go. you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I was wondering what was missing, but I know that because then Doc Ock goes through this um, period where he has the emotional attachment to, you know, all the memories, and he re and he just starts realizing that wow, you know, Uncle. Uncle Ben died, or um, Uncle Ben died. Is that better? No, no, it's my mic. Is oh, sorry. Okay. So basically, Doctor Octopus experiences all of Peter's things, but with emotion. So when Peter's dying, he goes, you know, you're dead. You're dying. I'm sorry. You know, now I'm sorry, but look, I'll just carry on as you, and I'll do the best I can. So Doctor Octopus basically says, you know what? I'm not going to be an evil Spider-Man. I'm going to be a better Spider-Man than Peter Parker. So the new series starts, Superior Spider-Man, with Doctor Octopus living as Peter Parker, trying to do everything better than Peter Parker does. Now, if you know Dr. Octopus, he's full of ego. So a lot of it's like, I've done this better, and I'm going to redo this, and I'm going to redo that. And he gets sometimes so caught up in his ego, he um, neglects certain things.
things or because he was always the nerd he you know he kind of like overindulges so he's like wow i can think for women at the same time oh but i can have mary jane i'm a i'm gonna have some of everybody can have mary jane for god's sake she owns a club <laughs> <laughs> now she owns the club yeah so basically you know you have Peter Parker, you know, or Dr. Octopus as Peter Parker, but doing these things that Peter Parker wouldn't do. And he speaks differently, and he acts differently, and he reacts to certain things differently to the point that people are starting to wonder about Peter Parker. People are starting to wonder, well, why is Spider-Man doing this? Why is Spider-Man, you know, overly aggressive with that villain? Why did he break that villain's jaw? Wow, he killed that villain. Why did he kill him? So now, like, the Avengers and all these people are getting kind of hip to it. And Peter Parker's like, look, you know what? I'm Spider-Man, man. You know, I'm, I'm an Avenger, but, you know, I'm just trying to do me. <laughs> right. And it makes it it's such interesting writing. It's probably, I'm, um, Dan Slott, when I see him in Comic-Con, I'm going to give him a, a really firm handshake. I'm going to give him a hug because he'll think I'm a weirdo. He's but, a short <laughs> guy. You'd have to lean down for a hug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm short, too, so it's okay. <laughs> but I think, um... Um, Superior Spider-Man is probably one of the better books out there now. Does not disappoint from issue to issue. Makes it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like the cat was saying that when you know when I when I read issue seven hundred of Amazing Spider-Man, which is when Peter Parker dies in the octopus's body, I'm just like, okay, I'll read. I, I have a tendency to like to at least try and read the one first, you know, couple of issues or something just to see where the, it's going, so that I don't just go, I don't like it without having read it. Um, read the first couple, loved it. I mean, it's. You know, like I was saying, it's it's well done. It's it's good writing. They really do invest their time thinking what would Octopus do in P as Peter Parker, or what would the changes be instead of just going, "Oh, I'm just now Spider-Man." Now, also, um, you know, a little part of the story that was left out there is that for a little while, um, you know, uh, a remnant of Peter's memory was still in Doctor Octopus's brain. Eventually, you know, there's a fight, and you think, "Okay, this is where Peter's going to come back, and we're just going to be, you know, status quo again." Um, he ends up winning that uh, octopus ends up winning the fight uh -huh. and kills that remnants of Peter and he's now able to be himself and in all honesty he is a better spider-man he is a superior spider-man in many ways I mean obviously the killing is a problem his ego is obnoxious and bribing he's, you know, bribing James Jonah <laughs> J James Jonah J he's left JJJ flabbergasted you, you, know, I can't, I can't say his you know but um you know all that going on and to the point that now I honestly think that if they brought that Peter Parker it would just be a letdown for him to be Spider-Man now. And it's funny, I usually disagree with Mike, but I totally agree. It's like, you know, Peter Parker, they try to improve him in so many in so many ways. And Mike brought it up the other day when we were hanging out, and he was talking about how Dan Slott gave Peter Parker a good job. Yeah, great job. You know, like, like a feasible job, because for years he was, you know, studying college or he was working at the Bugle. Now he's working for this like, kind of like an Apple corporation where they make new things. They, it's, a, it's, a, it's a technology place where they um, make new inventions to kind of better mankind. And it, it's a, it, it makes sense. It, it really makes sense. Dan Slott has done a lot of great things with Spider-Man. I'm wondering how he's going to make us feel, Yeah, what he's going to do when he brings back Peter Parker. Because you figure it has to happen at some point, you know, I mean. Well, I, I, it'll be amazing. I mean, I'm. I'm what do you think it'll that. be like? You see the ghost of Peter Parker. Well, we actually around. were seeing that. Well, That's we what saw we that in the first couple of issues, and yeah. they got rid of it. Oh, so yeah. now it's like, well, how are you going to bring it back? Because Doctor Octopus found a way to to flush that that part of the consciousness out of Peter Parker. You know, there'll probably be somehow someone will find Octopus's body, and there'll be something that they're able to get a memory. I, it'll be something that makes no sense. But they, when I say that, that like, you know. Maybe he didn't really flush it out of the mind. He right. just pushed it to the back. Exactly, something and like that. put like a door or something, and right. the real Peter Parker finds a way of getting back. Yeah, yeah. Well, something along that line. But I mean, I, I'll trust Dan to have a way out that's uh, as clever as his way in. But uh, you know, <laughs> it's gonna be a hard act to follow. 
All right, one last thing before we before we close out um, is the one other book that I'll mention: Invincible. Love Invincible. Oh my goodness, it's Ryan last. Oatley, you were the idol. That's, that's <laughs> Invincible, the one with the aliens, right? The aliens. The, the kid is his father was an yes, alien, and absolutely. he gained superpowers also. Yes, okay. it is a fantastic book done by Image and Skybound Comics. Oh, yeah. um, the motion it, comic's pretty good, too. The mo- I mean, yeah. I've never seen the motion oh, comic. I didn't but, even know there was one. Yeah. But the, the, even just the first 20 is a really good read. It's about a, it's about a kid who becomes a superhero because his dad was a superhero, and he develops all these powers, and then ends up finding out that his father is um, trying to take over the world. Yeah. Meanwhile, his father was like the Superman of that world for so many years, and decides that he's gonna take over the world. And now, because he was, he was actually, what like Hawkgirl is, yeah, a, an advanced scout for the civilization. Right. And I don't want to give away too much. I just want to say, Invincible, good read, but um, Superior Spider-Man, all new X-Men, Injustice, Injustice, great reads, guys. But I do have to toss in one thing. There was right a, a, a Spider-Man team up where Invincible actually made a crossover into the Marvel world. And it was hysterical. Oh, yeah. It was actually hysterical because oh, I he, have that. Yeah. He, he meets Spider-Man and he's like, well, I'm invincible. What's your name? He's like, I'm Spider-Man. And he goes, let me guess, you have spider powers? He's like, yeah. He goes, that's a stupid name. you know. And so then he ends up meeting the rest of the new Avengers and he goes, wait a second. If you're just as original as this guy, let me see. So he looks at Iron Man. He goes, what are you, like Steel Guy? And I think he looks at Spider-Woman. He's just like, you miss Chesty or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and Luke Cage says something. He goes, oh, I guess you're angry black man. <laughs> in the world yeah it was done well (laughs) but bottom line is these are the books that I think you should be reading catch it now before they change the writers alright so now we're going to finish off our episode our fourth episode of Meanwhile with what I like to call Geeks on the Go you know you know what the drill is I give quick questions my colleagues give quick answers and because Mike was complaining that the captain doesn't participate. The captain's going to participate today, but I'm going to only use one answer for the entire thing. <laughs> You're going to love this. Okay. Okay, if are only we ready? He used that same philosophy throughout life. Wow. <laughs> It'd be a boring podcast because everything's better with a cap. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let me know when ready for the starter. Ready? And go. Lamest superhero costume in recent memory. Ralph. Tyrock. Mike. Anything worn by a black hero, Falcon, Power Man, Black Life. Wow. Cap? Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the most annoying, Jason Todd, Damian Wayne, or Batmite? Mike. Um, Jason. No, no, wait, Damian. Uh, wait, Jamian. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph? Uh, uh, Damian Wayne, yeah. <laughs> and Cap? Um, I'm going to go with none of them because Vibe is more annoying. <laughs> <laughs> if you were starting the X-Men from scratch, who are the two X-Men that you would have on your team? Mike. Um, Professor X, of course. It's his team. And Dazzler. I love Dazzler. Wow. Ralph. If it's any mutant, Spider-Man, because, you know, he's funny. Hey, <laughs> Spider-Man's he's not, not a, a mutant. Hey. He got bit by uh, uh, a spider and mutated, all right? So uh, he's a mutant. Always uh, oh, not. Mutants when you're born with the powers. Go to your second answer. Whatever. Uh, Wolverine, because he's awesome. Okay. And the cap says, not vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could hire Deathstroke, who would you send for him to kill first? Oh, no, no, no. It's kill a character, not somebody in your real life. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Ralph. Kick ass. <laughs> Mike. Deadpool. Thank you. Cap. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, 
How do you feel about Marvel and DC taking characters and trying to make them either black or Latino? Mike. That shizizzle is muy excelente. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph. It's cool, but they should stop killing them so quickly. <laughs> and Cap, well, you've seen Vibe. They keep messing it up. <laughs> See, there you go. I answered all six. There, there you, you go. go. There you go. <laughs> and it fit for every single one. Yay. And on that note, um, we'll be leaving you for next week because now we're doing a weekly. Yay. So on behalf of my boys, um, Ralph the Tech and Mike the Finance Guy, this is the Cap saying keep it geeky. Yeah, keep it geeky, America.